he's he's been here before me during some uh, difficult times in this place. Yeah, I remember Elder Brother and Sister Lee treated me like I was important. Made me feel like it. That's the ministry of the saints. We thank God for it. Now, y'all, if I preach a little longer than you thought I ought to, it's my best friend's fault. He provoked me there. <laughs> there was a lot of going on at that church and a lot of special stuff, and I was last on the program, and I was trying to be considerate, and he railed on me. He didn't drive over three hours to hear that little sermonette. Would you open your Bibles to the book? That's one of my favorite passages. Luke chapter 18. Dr. Luke records some details that's not in some of the other Gospels. And matter of the fact, it was Dr. Luke that inspired of God and wrote the inspired book of the Bible called the book of Acts. Would you like to stand? The book of Luke chapter 18. Beginning with verse 1, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continuing coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the persistent widow woman said. I did that on purpose because we flipped this over. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect? Brother Bernie, I thought I could read about prayer three minutes without bringing election in, but there it is. God, shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. The last part of verse 8. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, 
but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Thank you. You can be seated. Put Keep you a finger or a marker or something there. I definitely intend to come back, Sister Sharon, to that passage of Scripture. A purpose in my heart, too. I started out on this, noting to myself, and so I posed the question. Here it is. When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Well, does it even help to pray? And before I got good started, brother, I marked that out. You can look, I just marked through that, and I changed the phrase to, it does help to pray. And you people know that. Now, if you fast, Judges chapter 10. Just, I'm not going to wait on you, Judges chapter 10. And to me, Judges is one of the saddest books in the Bible because it reads like this over and over and over. And they sinned again in the sight of the Lord. And so it is in Judges chapter 10. I'm just going to start reading in verse 10. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, saying, We have sinned against thee, both because we have forsaken our God and also served Balaam. And the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Did not I deliver you from the Egyptians, and from the Amorites, and from the children of Ammon, and from the Philistines, the Zidonians also, and the Amalekites, and the Mayanites did oppress you, and you cried to me, and I delivered you out of their hand. Yet you have forsaken me, and served other gods. Wherefore? I will deliver thee no more. Go and cry unto the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of your trouble. Now get this picture. They sinned again. They confessed again. I'll say to you from the truth of the Bible, confession is not repentance. Just because you confess your sins, just because you confess your sins to God, we hope it leads to repentance. But it may not qualify. That's what they have done. We got this serious thing I preached over at Beaumont last week. I remember preaching their Good News America campaign, 1976. And I said, I'm very concerned that we're going to be successful in this. We're going to convince our sinning family and friends and countrymen to smile. God loves them. Live on in your sin. God loves you. You've got a wonderful plan for your life. Live it up. And we just about have succeeded in joint efforts, denominational lines being crossed, interfaith witness mission programs, and we just about got our family, friends, and countrymen to don't fear God. Truth's falling in the streets, no fear of God in the land, and that's happened. Now this is sobering if you fear God and tremble at His Word, just to think that God would say, I won't hear you anymore. You've been serving this, whatever it is, whatever it is. Go serve your idols. Go pray to whatever it is you've been embracing and putting your infections in. Go do that. Now, some of the psychiatrists of this world think like that. 
they told my friend Eugene Morgan, he said, I've been praying. He was in a detox ward, and, it, and, the, and the Lord just sobered him up, saved him. And the psychiatrist woman said, we encourage praying. You can pray to the doorknob if it helps. And I'm standing there, and he said, Brother Johnny, get me out of here and take me home. These people don't believe like we do. He said, Woman, I ain't been praying to no doorknob. He cried out to God, and he was an alcoholic. Trouble. He was trouble. Just trouble, trouble, trouble. Trouble. Double trouble. One of my cohorts. And God saved him. But the point was, what do you do? You remember that woman that from Syrophoenicia? She came and she made her request to the Lord, and Christ answered her not a word. She went to the disciples. They come to Christ and said, Send her away. She's crying after us. Now be fair with those fellas. If the Lord is quiet to somebody, you, you, just because you think you're a Baptist Pope, you can't pronounce absolvent. You can't pronounce assurance. If God's silent to somebody, they got to get somewhere and take that up with God. So being fair with those fellas. She comes back, people, and worships him, calls him Kurios, Lord, supreme ruler and controller. Her need has not even been addressed, let alone answered. Then comes this. This is the point I want to make in, on, on this passage. Salvation to the Jew first. It's not, it's not right for me to give the children bread to dogs. And she said truth. She didn't want up at the table. She just wanted to crawl around under the table and get the crumbs with the dogs. Great faith. The Lord calls that great faith. Now these people, I want to read one more and we'll go to the next one. And the children of Israel said, verse 15, unto the Lord, we have sinned. Now people... Whatever you think, whatever televangelists or, or religious marketers or telemarketers you listen to, they don't think this is good praying. We have sinned. Do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. Isn't that something? Now I tell you, people, that's good Bible praying because it works. They got through the old people used to. We talked about it with Grandma and Grandpa Lee. The old people used to say, that's who I is now. The old people used to say, you know, we prayed through. And the brother, it finally registered on me when I was praying. What they did, they just run out. They prayed out. They give up on whatever they was trying to get from God, and they yielded. And that's what these people did. And God had said, I'm not going to hear you anymore. You go pray to your idols. And they prayed through. That is, they give up. And they said, do what seems right to you. And God heard them. Look at that. And they put away the strange gods from among them and served the Lord. And his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. Turn now to Second Kings chapter 22. We're looking at, I'm just going to look at three. Help me, Holy Ghost, you be the editor where these people got help when it looked like there was no help possible. Nothing available. Second Kings 22. This is King Josiah. He's justly called the good King Josiah. And they had a mighty revival. 
They started cleaning up the place, and they cleaned down into the temple. It took them eight days to clean out to get down in there to the Holy of Holies, and they found the book. At least the first five books of the Bible called the Petunuach, the writings of Moses. That's it. it was at least that. And they read it, that God had pronounced woes and wrath on people doing what they'd been doing. And they got alarmed. So they carried it to the high priest. And he was very, very disturbed. They got a delegation and carried it to King Josiah. And he likewise was smitten in his heart. So they got some fellas together and they went over to, you ladies ready for this? Huldah, the prophetess. And she said, it's going to happen at this place just like the Bible said. It's going to happen. Let's, let's, let's start reading. Verse 18. Are you in Second Kings chapter 22? Verse 18. But to the king, listen, no, verse 17. Because they have forsaken me and have burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hand. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because... Thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place, and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and has rent thy clothes, and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee to thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into thy grave in peace, and thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. The brother Barnum and I nearly about agree on everything. If it's in this Bible, we agree. If you can read it in this Bible, we 100% agree. I said to him earlier today, I really, I really believe what's holding this nation intact. And we have the liberties and freedoms, especially in religion, that we have is because of praying folks. We can show you that in the book of Proverbs. Many are the princes of evil, but that of the righteous, the state thereof shall be prolonged. And the prayers of the saints, God is honored and God is here. So I say, keep praying. Even if you don't think it's doing any good, just keep praying and keep this in mind. The answer coming back to Daniel. Daniel set his face toward God. Well, how does he? Uh, three full weeks. And when the answer came, the angel said, Thy prayer was heard 20 and 1 days ago. Now, how many days is three full weeks? 20 and 1 days. And Satan and the powers that be, political powers and, and all of them, hindered the answer, dear people. There's war in heaven and on earth when the saints are praying. There's war. Our adversaries are worthy adversaries. And he wars against us. Keep praying when it don't look good. 
I remember praying with this old fellow with all them white whiskers there decades ago. And the situation has gotten worse under our watch, under our praying. And your mom and daddy talked about it. Keep praying. It just may, may be God will hear you. Take it into consideration. And in the revelation, I don't intend to get there tonight, but the angels stirred in that fire and the prayers of the saints was there and the incense went up and the angel dipped the vial in there and dumped it down to the earth. And it was the prayer of all the saints. And our eschatology don't touch that. It's all the saints. I read it for myself. Now let's go to, to one more in the Old Testament. Jonah. Now let me say this while you go looking for Jonah. Uh, God may will a change. I just read to you two places where God willed a change. Right? But God never changes His will. In both of those accounts, God's will came to pass. It just was not on those tender-hearted, humble, praying people. Isn't that something? That encourages me to say, Oh, Lord God, would you just have mercy on us and show us your will and show us your way and give us of your Spirit and, and help us Help us to obey you. Where are we at? Jonah chapter 3. Now I'm just going to brief this. Jonah went down to Nineveh and he did not tell them to smile that God had a wonderful plan for their life. He did not tell them, if you'll repent now, God won't hurt you. If you just start doing right, God won't hurt you. He did not say that. It was a message of certain judgment. God's going to destroy this wicked great city. Pronounce judgment. Let's pick it up in verse 5 of chapter 3. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, laid his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. That's Old Testament symbol of total humility. Absolutely humiliated. Broken down before God. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them... Turn away everyone from his evil way and from the violence that's in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he'd said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. I'm going to say it to you like this concerning God repenting. God may will a change for humble, tender-hearted, praying people, but He never changes His will. 
Nineveh. All three of these cases, if we followed it, all three of these cases, God's certain judgment came in, just like he said. But not on those humble, tender-hearted praying folks. That ought to encourage us to turn up our prayer a little bit. That's one of the most neglected part of my life in ministry these 56-plus years. One of the most neglected things, one that my own flesh troubles me with and the devil and unclean spirits and sometimes the telephone interferes with it. So let's pray. Let's keep on praying. God did will a change for those people. Now, if you turn back to our text, and on your way back there, I'm going to make a statement about Matthew chapter 7. Ask it shall be given you, seek you shall find, knock it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened to him. And we know people from reading the Bible, that's in his will, of course. Oh, let me get back to this. Let me just brief it. We're evil and we give good gifts to our children, especially grandchildren. You can't spoil grandchildren. That's bound to have been a parent doing that. <laughs> Grandparents don't think like that, do they? We got, listen, you parents. If your kid, you get to thinking your grandparents is spoiling your kid, get them to call me. Jewel and I got special water over there, and we give that grandkid once a day. And it keeps them from spoiling. That's a grand, that's a grand, that's a pawpaw declaration. Don't mean anything, but it still got y'all's attention. We come before him as his little child. And if we ask him bread, he don't give us a stone. No. We know how to give good gifts to our, sometimes our wayward kids, we try to help them. And God is so much more than that. If we come asking, he's not going to give us a snake. He's not going to slip us a scorpion. He will answer According to his will, it will be done. It does help. God does hear our prayer. Now, Christ is the high priest. He's on his throne, right? It's not a coffee shop where we sup in coffee with him. Uh, what's this high price coffee? Uh, yeah, boy, my wife, she don't like that. Now, she likes the coffee, but I can't let her see the bill. Because she's somewhere between frugal and just flat-out stingy. So I just get it, and I don't tell her how much it costs. But it's not like that. We come before the throne. Our high priest is a throne. Now, people, it's not a throne of judgment. It's a throne of grace. And we come before that throne of grace in worship and adoration and thanksgiving, supplication and letting our requests be made known. And we come to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And you're finishing that with... Now, I'm going to share with you two two accounts, not this uh, scripture. I'm not going to read it because... I'm preaching to the choir tonight, and I'm glad to. Maybe some of y'all are lost. I don't know that. But the Apostle Paul prayed. 
He wanted that thorn gone. It was an unclean spirit buffeting his body. He needed deliverance and healing. He prayed twice. He prayed three times. Now, I hope there's none of you people are turned toward the uh, awful era of the charismatics. But the Apostle Paul never got his healing and deliverance. I've never had any, even one of those champions take the Bible and convince me that Paul was healed and delivered. Now, God did do a wonderful thing. He put Dr. Luke with him all the way through. But this is what he got. Grace. Exceeding abundant. Grace to help. He got so much grace, and grace and truth come through Christ Jesus. I was telling Brother back there, that we, sometimes we get so proud and haughty, we think if we can talk people in an ocean coming to our Baptist Sovereign Grace Church, they'll get grace. It comes through Jesus Christ, grace and truth. But this grace to help in time of need was so sufficient, the Apostle Paul said this, I glory in tribulation. I, I can see the distinct possibility in my life that I could mature to that place. Where instead of saying, Oh Lord, why are you doing this to me? I could glory in tribulation. Knowing what? It's going to work out. Not just for God's glory, but for my good. And then the classic supreme one is the Lord Jesus Christ. He prayed that bitter cup was the wrath of God poured on him because of our sins. And he, his holy humanity recalled at it, and he prayed. And my, some of my family that's in-law, outlaw of other persuasion, I said, concerning a serious family matter, I said, Lord, your will be done. We ask for this. We're praying out of our infirm flesh, but we finish it up with your will be done. And they said, that's a cop-out. Leave that all. Argue with God. They read it in Job 23. I said, I read the rest of the book. <laughs> Job thought if he could get God to show up and, and, and bring God up to date on how pitiful he was, God would do something. And sometimes I think like that. But God not only knows how pitiful I am, he's orchestrated and arranged it so I'd come to this place. I've spoken things too high for me. Do what's, what seems right to you. <laughs> Please have mercy on us, Lord. That's what we deserve. We murmuring and complaining and belly aching. I told the fellow yesterday, uh, Joe Biden is your president. Oh, he's, oh, I said, yes, he is. He's everybody's president. He's the president. Now, some of you people are very, very solid about God being in charge of everything, right? Well, what about the president? What about this socialistic government that's going Listen, socialists have never been afraid of martial law. They love it. Defund the police and we'll get the martial law in and we'll make you do what we want you to do. Hey, I'm not stretching this thing. We are that close. I preached in a black people's church not long ago and I just prefaced my message with that and I said, people, there's never been a civil war in the United States. I use this in court, people, pleading my constitutional liberties. State of Arkansas enacted a law that violated my constitutional liberties. But there's never been a civil war. 
there has been a war between the states, and the Republic of Texas lost just like the rest of the southern states, and we lost our states' rights. But I held my thumb and finger up like that to a neg a, an all-black church, and I put my thumb and finger together, and I said, Dear people, y'all know this. We're that close to a civil war in this nation. The news media would have y'all, th I'm talking to the black people, and they would have y'all think it's the white boy's fault. But y'all's problem is black boys shooting at black boys and the women and kids getting caught in the crossfire. That's all I'm going to say. That's my speech on current events that Sunday morning. And I preached. And the pastor got up and he said, Now, we're not going to have any more ado today, but y'all pray with me. I'd like to get Brother Carter to come back and make some more statements on them current events. <laughs> make, my point is this, people. It's worse than we think. Brother Barney Bryant, this religious monstrosity, this whore and her harlot daughters trying to dominate people's faith, it's worse than what we think. I've got the newspaper clipping. Certain Baptist denominations in the United States are in agreement with the Roman Catholic Church on 29 of the 31 articles of faith. I showed a fellow that in print, and he said, I don't believe that. I said, well, let's go get a cup of coffee then and talk about fishing. If he don't believe that. It's in print in people's names and dates and places. I'm making a point as I try to close. The situation in church life today is worse than what we think. Bear with me in my folly. Sister Nurse, I've been in 43 states, Canada and Mexico, and 11 other places of interest outside the continental U.S., and it's worse and worse. And I know it's not correct English, but it's going to get worser. What are we going to do? Pray. Praise God. Listen. Huddle up the ecclesia. Come on in and let the believing unbelievers see how sweet and precious this church life is. Let them see we have what they need. We have what they're spending their virtue and their money on trying to get. God has given it to us in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in our midst. That's the reason the devil fights against you. So much. I said that. I address people when they start excusing themselves about being uh, negligent or predictably unpredictable about meeting with the saints. I say it like this to them, to their face, many times down through the year. The saints are meeting. Where had you rather be? If you can answer that to yourself honestly, you can get somewhere. Listen, this thing's real. Now, uh, and Brother Russell done ready y'all way, way high because he put me up here to preach when it's time to go get some more coffee and cake. And he put me up here to preach. And Brother Barney done shamed me over there, uh, 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 ordering me, barking down my collar back there. Don't preach no little sermon that now. Back to our text, and I close. Two, we are commanded to pray and not faint. It gives the parable of the unjust judge. Now, what is the message? That judge does not have to show mercy. He can nod at a feller. He'll drag her out there and cut her head off. It was done. It's documented. 
But he shows mercy. But he don't have to show mercy. Those people that I shared with you tonight, they just pleaded with God. It looked helpless, hopeless, no hope, no hope. I'd like to be as spiritual as the king of Nineveh, and I'd pray and I'd say, Who can tell what God will do? Oh, please, God. And as we turn to God, it turns us from our sins. There's repentance in God. Cease your evil doing. Turn to God. Victory is there. If you just quit doing something, you set free. But when you turn to God through Jesus Christ, you're made free. Now, God avenges His own elect. They cried to Him day and night. Speedily. Though He bear long with them. I didn't like that phrase. <laughs> I'm an instant pudding kind of a guy. I've lived in a travel trailer quite a bit. I, I have used this burner on the top very, very seldom. I'm a microwave fella. Especially when I go from church to church and they stock me up for the next one. All I got to do is put in that microwave and I got an instant pudding meal. That's I'm just that kind of guy. Get her done now. But God don't work with us like that, Sister Martha. He may bear a long time with us. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on earth. What kind of faith? Not us recommending ourselves to God and reminding God how good we've been, what all we've done. But us coming before God. Now, when I first started preaching, I used this text for evangelistic. And God honored it because I preached the gospel. But the command is, well, to pray and not faint. And the parable is the unjust judge who showed mercy. And the answer to the question, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on earth, is this account of two men praying. Now, I promise you from experience, if you come in before God thinking you're going to impress him and aggravate him and finally get him to do it your way, you're going to faint. But if you come, pleading mercy to our loving Father, who said He will not upbraid us, He won't fuss at you, He won't push you away. Now, I say it like this. I've come to God for mercy. I've stepped out initially for conversion for sure, but at intervals in my life, I've stepped out by faith. But, Lord... If you don't show mercy, I'm sunk. You know, Peter said, Though all forsake thee, not I. Matthew and Mark record, Likewise they all said. Let's stand together. We're all in the same boat. We think we can handle it. We are represented, this church, I'm, I'm not a dispensationalist, and I've laid that aside. But if we fit any church in the Revelation, is to lay out of sin. And our self-ego inflated opinion of ourself is this. Not better housing, better car, and better clothes. I don't think that's what's in view. It's the spiritual goods. We got it. We got it figured out. We can do it, right? 
cheetah church. Haven't y'all proved it to yourself? You can't handle it. It's God that's kept this church together. It's God that's kept this church open. Do you know there was five churches in the little old community I'm in? And then there was four, and then there was three, and then, then there was two, and now there's just one. And we meeting in an old store building. In town, one, two, three, four, five churches have closed down. One of them called us, wanting to know if we want to take up the mortgage payments on a nice, nice plant. Not that not, we ain't interested. I'm trying to paint you a picture to encourage you to pray. It does help to pray. God does hear his little kids. So if you've been a little negligent in your prayer, if you pray and say, well, I wonder if God's heard me, stop it. Be encouraged. God delights in the prayers of the upright. Proverbs 15, 8. God takes a delight when we come before him in prayer. Before the Lord showed me that, said to Martha, I've one of God's little whining kids in trouble again. Whining to him. But when I talk to him, he takes a delight in it. Let me encourage you to pray. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for time together tonight. The joy, the honor, my privilege to be among these brave people, these saints that have weathered the storms, these new ones that's coming in. Pray that you use this for the beauty of the church, your bride, us, the beauty of it, that we work together for the striving together for the furtherance of the gospel. And the outsiders see that. You you assure us from your word. They see that. We pray that they glorify God in the days and years to come. Now help us to honor you and obey you. Unto you from our evil, wicked ways. We like Daniel of old, as the church in this nation and we in it, unto us belong confusion of faith. We thought we could handle all this. But we're at your mercy and we're glad that you brought us to that place in our life that we can come before you like a little child <coughs> and obtain mercy, grace, help. Thank you for thank you for the devotion to these sweet saints to make this possible, the vision you give Brother Lee. Pray, Lord, help us to be more instant in prayer, continuous in prayer, praying without ceasing, and just calling out on them in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me say one more thing. Come in my mind three times while I pray. We have a lot of some black people in our area. The pastor said he loved Brother Bonnie. Pretty sharp now. And people don't like what God do. What the government with the millions and millions can't do, putting our people together. But Holy Ghost do it through the gospel and the work of Jesus Christ. I'm about the church. Blacks and whites meeting and worshiping together. Just saying. He said, if they get Brother Carter and, 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 and me and put us in that bed, don't you get out in the street. That's a black man talking to a black person. Some white people there. Don't you get out in the street. You call yourself a prayer. Now you may be like Roland. They in a prayer meeting with a door locked. And they pray Peter out of jail. And they think it's a spirit. Even if you ain't sure God hearing your prayer, don't get out in the street. Get with praying people. And pray to them. Now,
see like a black man. That's just an answer. Maybe a few white people, preachers with that kind of money. Thank you. I know one. Um, Brother Jess, how do you pronounce that, the first five books of the Bible? How'd you say that, brother? The first five books of the Bible? The first five books of the Bible, how'd you pronounce that? I ain't understood you yet. The first, the first, <laughs> the first five books of the Bible, how'd you pronounce that? Continue. That's Arkansas. <laughs> I didn't know if you caught that. If you knew what he was saying. I've heard him speak before, so I knew what he was saying. How did he pronounce it in Britain? I don't know that. Anybody ever from Britain? <laughs> my, my friend here was scolding me about pronouncing words, and he said to Alexander Potter. No. Oh, yeah. That's that's the thing. I can speak East, East Texan, so I understood you. Yeah. And pray for mercy. Maybe. Maybe. So, what did Brother Johnny say? He said, God may will a change, but does not change his will. Did you understand that? Yes, sir. Did you understand what he was saying? Absolutely. Okay. Would you want it any other way? No, sir. No. No, wouldn't want it any other way. So there's a hymn that I like to sing whenever we have come to the end of a meeting. And I know we're not at the end of our meeting, but we're at the end of, of what some of, of you folks aren't going to be here. So what number was that? Number 82 in the blue book. We'll sing this, and then we'll have a final word of prayer and then you can leave whenever you get ready to I know some of you got to drive 82. number 82 God be with you till we meet again <laughs>